yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Electricity blackouts this winter. It's a nightmare scenario that's being talked about more and more. But of all the reasons this might happen, are data centres part of a larger problem? Intel have said that they are looking to other countries to invest in because they have um, concerns about our energy security. That is an issue. That is an absolute issue, and it's an issue that the government should be managing and managing properly, and they have not done it to date. Are they sucking up too much of Ireland's energy? Should we stop more centres being built? It's an evolution of our core largest export product. Or are we just looking for a scapegoat to excuse our own inability to develop a modern energy grid? And if we do curtail them, as some are advocating, are we just making our own Netflix stream slower? But I think the proliferation of them, I think maybe caught us a little bit by surprise. And I think it just became hard to say no. Which big tech company do you say no to? I'm Adrian Weckler, tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. And joining me today to discuss all of this is Gary Connolly, founder of Host in Ireland, Caroline O'Doherty, the Irish Independent's environment correspondent, and Jennifer Whitmore, Social Democrats TD and party spokesperson on climate. Caroline, I'll just go to you first. Can you very, very basically sum up what the issue is here? You've got a bunch of issues. So the first is the energy usage by data centres. Uh, our energy system is under stress. We have, we're struggling to get the amount of electricity we need just for our own, own needs. And data centres are a huge drain on our supplies. So that's that's the key issue at the moment, I suppose. And there are other environmental issues then about how data centres use water, uh, what they do with their excess heat, all of that kind of thing. But energy usage is the big issue at the moment. I'm going to get into it in some detail in a while, but as a top line Is there a consensus that this is our fault as a country for not being more ambitious in developing better systems? Or is there a feeling that the data center industry as one crucial part has just gotten out of control? You know, we weren't wrong to encourage data centers to come here. You know, we are a high-tech country. We have high-tech industries, we have high-tech finance industries based here. So it makes sense to have data centers. But I think the proliferation of them, I think maybe caught us a little bit by surprise. And I think it just became hard to say no. Which 
big tech company do you say no to? Facebook, you know, Amazon. Um, so, and, and lack of planning definitely has gone in there because I think we have had warnings that we were close to, um, you know, uh, maximum supply in terms of our electricity generation. We know that a lot of our electricity generation infrastructure is outdated. We know that it had to become clean electricity generation. So we were going to lose some of our older plants all of those issues were coming together and somebody took their eye off the ball there or maybe was afraid to shout stop. Mm. Um, Gary, let me come to you, Gary Connolly. Um, just you might give us a very basic explanation of what a data centre in this day and age is and what it does here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I uh, appreciate it, Adrian. Um, I guess when we talk about attracting data centres, we have to go back to the 50s, don't we? We have to go Well, back do we, to if you insist? Well, I think, you know, this is such a emotive, polarizing discussion. It seems to be as if it's just arrived in Ireland, Inc. in 2021 or 2020. Well, no, it's been bubbling for a while. But the issue is with these massive centers, mostly on the outskirts of Dublin. Now, as Caroline was explaining there, they are electricity hogs to use the parlance of the era. But what I'm asking you is, are they necessary, do you think, in, in Ireland as, as a tech-connected country? What is their role here? Okay, if you had to let me finish, I would have brought you back to 20, 2000 when Ireland was recognised as the largest exporter of software in the world, right? But because it was tangible, because we could touch it and feel it in a floppy disk and CD-ROMs, and because those manufacturing facilities were right beside Microsoft and Oracle and people like that, you know, people send us to say, oh, Microsoft are great. They're employing so many people and they're doing all this localization. And it was wonderful. But over the last 20 years, we've separated the manufacturing from the IP. So now what we end up is, if you can imagine moving all of the fulfillment centers from Sandyford that were in Sandyford to Grange Castle, we're still one of the largest exporters of software in the world. They are still manufacturing products. And they are still part of our largest IT, our export at 136 billion. So, so why the, do we need data centers for that? So the data, there's two words in data centers. There's data and there's centers. And what happens is people say you have a big box sitting out there consuming all this electricity. That's just the raw material for products, digital products. People then start talking about, oh, why do we need them for Amazon and Google? They're not actually for Amazon and Google. They're for everybody else. They're for Netflix. They're for Revolut. They're for all the products and services that run the world. They're for all of the smart services. And this is the key thing that we have to start to get our mind around. We hear about decarbonization of societies with smart cities, with smart cars, with smart thermostats, with smart utility companies. It's only smart because of one thing, data. The data that sits in the center. So if we wanted to, we could start going on a discussion of these new smart meters I just got installed in my house. It's to take 17% off the national grid. It's only smart because the data running in the background. So do we do a counter, the 1% here, negating the 17% here? So let's try and decarbonize society without using data. Let's not go down the discussion if we could and say that the 2% of the world's data that's social media is what's in these centers, 2% okay. of the world's. Okay. So why we have these centers in Ireland is really quite simple. It's an evolution. We're not attracting them. It's an evolution of our core 
largest export product, ICT and related services. Okay, that I mean, that's a fair point. Jennifer, if I could come to you on this, you've said that the Social Democrats in government, potentially the next government uh, as a coalition government, would pause the development or in attracting new data centres to Ireland. But as Gary was pointing out there, I mean, aren't data centres just fundamental to how modern life runs, to things like Netflix, to our email, to, to, to communications? And if they don't go here, don't they need to go somewhere else? Yeah, as you said, Adrian, the Social Democrats had a motion in the Dáil there uh, a couple of months ago calling for a moratorium. So just a pause on data centres and their further development just until the government had conducted a socio and environmental um, and an economic risk analysis of really what does it mean for the country to have this huge growth in data centres? What will it mean for our existing businesses? What does it mean for our our infrastructure grid? What does it mean for electricity costs? What does it mean when it comes to actually meeting our targets? So what we wanted was a pause so that the government could be strategic in what they're doing, because I think what we've seen is that the government has actually failed to manage this proactively. They have There hasn't been proper planning, because I think if there had been proper planning, we wouldn't have seen such a huge increase in, in data centers well now hold on you're you're kind of suggesting there that the increase in data centers is de facto a problem in Ireland. i mean isn't the problem really that we haven't planned for these data centers that like in many other areas we haven't built the infrastructure to manage the ambition that we're supposed to have as a as a high growth industrial country yeah, so look, we're not anti-data centre. We're anti-bad planning when it comes to data centre. And that's, the, I suppose, the, the fundamental thing. Um, when uh, Gary was talking about, you know, that, that, you know, that we need them because all the data needs to be stored. And it does. Look, we are moving into a, a more remote and offline world. So we do need this data. The question is, does it all have to be in Ireland? Does Ireland have to be the one to host all these data centres and in, and have the, I suppose, the ensuing impacts on our electricity system, on our current businesses, on our water? You know, so, so the question is, how many data centres is enough for Ireland? And at the moment, it looks like we're going to have approximately 30% of our electricity usage by 2030 will be for data centres and that is an incredible growth and when other countries saw similar growth such as Singapore and the Netherlands they actually brought in moratoriums to deal with it as well and that's what we were asking for was just time to enable proper planning when it comes to it because what the government doesn't know is they don't know how many jobs they create I asked the um I asked the Tanishta uh, to, to tell me how many jobs were created. He doesn't collect that information. He, he estimates it around at 30 jobs per data centre. Um, there doesn't seem to be any, I suppose, one department managing it or really having oversight over it. And there is a risk that if we allow the, this, um, the continued growth of the data centres, that we're really signing checks that we may not potentially be able to cash in, in you know, 10 years' time. I mean, uh, just on, on the jobs point, um, from interviewing big tech CEOs for the last few years, I can tell you that one or two of them have specifically linked data centers to jobs here. The last time Microsoft president Brad Smith was in town, he's promoting a book. I interviewed him. There's a whole chapter in his book about how Ireland, you know, led Europe in data centers and how that encouraged Microsoft to broaden and expand its investment here. It's been here for 30 odd years. And that was kind of a, a totem for other tech companies. So th- the, on the tech companies part, they do rate data centers. It's not just that they're dumping them on Ireland. Maybe they are, but they hey, say can that. We just, can we just go back slightly? Honestly. I'm not going back to 1951, Gary. Sorry. No, we're not going back to 1951, but let's talk about what a warehouse attached to floppy disk manufacturing employs directly. 
this, there was 13,000 people working in and around someone like Microsoft, Oracle, etc., in the turn of the decade, yeah, making floppy disks. So how many people were working in the actual ho- the, the warehouse? Probably a very small amount of people. Would you agree? So What's today, your point, Gary? today, the warehouse is a data center. Right. So when I look at Microsoft, I look at Amazon, I look at Google, I look at Netflix, I look at Airbnb, and I look at all the other products and companies in Ireland, working from Ireland, I think there's 200,000 of them. Yep. Yeah. Their warehouse for the f- software is a data center. So you don't expect an awful lot of jobs in a highly automated center. But Jennifer's yeah. point is that maybe that sector has gotten too far ahead of us, that and, we, and so, we've been so, taken so, by surprise and we've let it run too far. And now we're facing real energy problems. But what are we? What, let, let's, let's talk about the energy issue, right? Let's talk about the 11% or the 2% of carbon emissions associated with data centers. And then let's talk about well-recognized procedures and processes for this thing called blackouts, et cetera. Who goes first? Who goes first? I'm sure you know, Jennifer, how a blackout sequence works in Ireland. Who's protected? Who, just, just, just let's stick to the facts. Who gets a call to reduce energy usage first? It before will be blackout. The it uh, will be the sorry? likes. It will be the likes of the data centers that will okay. have to reduce. Oh, okay. But Gary, but Gary yeah. look at the point is right. There have been warnings that we could face blackouts. No, 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 no hold, on. Hold, hold on. No, hang hold on, Gary. On. Harry, Gary, hang, let, let her finish, Gary, then, then you can come back in. It's, it's about proper management, Gary, right? And I tell you now, the likes of Amazon and Google and Facebook will not want situations where there's energy insecurity in this country because our grid hasn't got the capability to manage the demand from data centres. We've already seen a situation where okay. Intel have said, now I'm, I'm talking, Gary, so please just let me continue. We've already seen an instance recently where Intel have said that they are looking to other countries to invest in because they have um, concerns about our energy security. That is an issue. That is an absolute issue, and it's an issue that the government should be managing and managing properly, and they have not done it to date. So we could say, let's continue. Let's continue growth of data centres because they're such a good thing. It means that there will be impacts on it. And at the moment, I don't think the government fully understands what the impacts will be on many layers in, in this country. And I think they need to do that analysis. And that is all. That is all the Social Democrats were asking for was time for the government to actually plan properly and to do it properly. Now, I know there are there are things that the uh, data centres can do so that they can be part of the solution. They can act as storage uh, entities. They can, uh, you know, do district heating. So there are things that they can be doing, but they're not being asked to do by this government. And I think they should be. Have you heard the news? The Irish Independent has a new podcast. We're not in the fairy tale business as journalists. We're in the truth business and the question were there. 20 minutes, five days a week, the Indo Daily takes you beyond the headlines and into Ireland's most talked about stories. So 25 years on, people are absolutely fascinated again with this case. The Indo Daily podcast, available on Spotify, Apple, independent.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Before I let you come back in, Gary, I want to go back to Caroline. Caroline, are we facing a realistic scenario where, first of all, we are, there is going to be, or is there going to be an energy blackout problem either this, this winter or next year? 
Well, we're being told or we're being reassured that probably not, but that you can never say no. Uh, one of the two big generators, the gas generators that were out of out of commission the last while uh, has come back online. Uh, so that's good. Um, you, but the very fact that we're talking about this, the fact that they have been what they call system alerts, which means that you're getting close to capacity. And if there was something very odd, like if one of those plants went down suddenly, we could have blackout situation. That's just not what you expect, I suppose, in a country in in, in Western Europe in, in 2021. And it isn't just about the data centers. It is about other um, manufacturers, 24-hour industry, wanting to know that at all times there's electricity running in the country. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you having written about this and looking at this analytically, one thing that strikes me from a tech perspective under the tech is sometimes it seems to me there's a lack of ambition among planners and policymakers here to accompany me the fast growth that we see in industry. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe the industry has been growing faster than we've been able to keep up. But the question I asked the others about, for example, uh, the electricity grid and how we organize our energy here do, do you think do you get the sense that we're we're keeping up or not uh, no we haven't kept up um airgrid have a hugely ambitious set of plans out there that they launched earlier this year and um, but there's massive investment required and it's it's all kinds of different infrastructure that they need you know that they need pylons they need cables they need transmitters they need substations all over the country and it's partly to do with all the myriad different sources of electricity that are coming into the system so be it wind or be it, be it solar be it micro generators all of that we don't use that and it comes in at different times it comes in at different and um, strengths all of that that all needs to be done that all needs to be updated for the new systems it also needs to be expanded because the population is growing and because mm. our economy is growing all of that so that that's we're kind of seem to be rushing quite late to get that all in order and you know meanwhile we have this sector that's growing as well you know we've put a lot of um, a lot of our, our faith in um, wind farms and some of the big data center companies, you know, have actually effectively commissioned entire wind farms solely to provide electricity to them. And that sounds good, except that where are we putting all the wind farms? Well, they're going on land that we've considered, you know, of no other purpose, no other use. And a lot of that is, is peat-topped mountainsides and hillsides. I mean, we have a situation in Donegal at the moment where there's a very severe land um, slide at the site of, of a wind farm specifically being built for a data center, you know, and that that that's from an environmental perspective and it's destroyed a river and so on and it's, it's it's also quite worrying because the land is unstable so what do you do there was a good solution you have a, you have a data center coming in saying well we're going to provide for our own electricity needs but it's created another problem so you did you know we are behind the times our grid mm. do have this very extensive plans but everything has to go through planning them local local uh, communities don't like the idea of pylons everywhere they don't like the idea of you know high power transmitter uh, stations nearby so there's a whole job of work to be done there with the public winning public hearts and minds and that's also running behind if you like i don't think people realize that i don't think it's ever been put in front of them mm. that this has to be done and you have to be part of it if you want to keep if they want to keep the economy kind of pushing forward yeah Good point. Gary, I think you wanted to come in there, did you? There's so, there's so much to discuss. I mean, you say economy driving forward. What is an economy? Is it based on sort of the holistic exports? Is it based on local? You know, what, what well, is it's based on the sum of those things. But if we put yeah. a moratorium, for example, on data centers, in your view, what message would that be giving to the industry? What, what would that say about us? What, what I look at, and, and both the other speakers have mentioned it, it's about ambition, right? 
we talk about 30% of our grid and stuff. It's actually only about 4.5% of our available renewable energy. This is the key thing that we have to... If, the, if renewable energy was gold or diamonds or other forms of natural resources, we'd be digging the seas, we'd be, dig, you know, we'd be utilizing it. We have a opportunity to, to manage, and that's the one thing we need to do. It's like when we built the M50 around Dublin, it was carnage. It was carnage. But now look at it. It worked out. We need, <laughs> you know, it's not you know, great. It's, yeah. it's, it's better than the 45 minutes to get to Sandyford for Men is Scary. But so what we have to, to, to look at is the opportunity that how do we maximize the geographic location we are in? Let's look at what are the best ways to utilize it. As your, your um, correspondent says, Ireland is going through transition, huge transition now. The grid is actually the backbone of our decarbonization between now and 2030, the grid. Mm -hmm. And anything and everything we can do, whether it's what you mentioned about corporate power purchase agreements, where the actual corporate, whether it be Guinness, Diageo, Amazon steps up and, and relieves the taxpayer of their um, public service liability and goes ahead, whether it's we start looking seriously at being real leaders and turning the curtailment of our wind. Imagine we curtail 11% of our electricity. It's curtailed. It's turned off. The turbines are turned away from the wind. When we could be using that, and we should be using that for a, a form of gas that actually is renewable. So if we looked at it like an opportunity, and how can we take this 64 gigawatts? How can we improve our grid? How can we use an industry that's going to buy it, not export it to Europe at wholesale, but somebody here is going to buy it, is going to buy it at full price, is going to use it then to manufacture product, data, and export it. That's the ambition we need to, to see. Okay, that's Jennifer, ambition. I just wanted to ask you two, there are two points there. One is the uh, decarbonization argument, which is a fair point. The second is on things like renewable energy, wind farms, for example. Caroline mentioned it there. Whenever a wind farm goes up for planning, there are lots and lots and lots of objections. There are lots of objections from TDs and from politicians. If it's anywhere near the community uh, they represent, not always, but often. How do you think that's we're going to square that going forward? So I, I think in relation, I think the majority of our, our wind uh, generation will be offshore. So I think particularly for, for us in, in Wicklow, we're going to see there's going to be wind farms. Well, there are wind farms planned uh, really for the entire coastline. And um, how, how do you I, feel about that as a TD in the local area? Surely there was opposition to that. Well, they're, they're just it's, it's in, in the preliminary stages now at the moment. So some of them are out for public consultation. Um, do you know, I, I think a lot of people in, in Wicklow and I think in the country realise that we do need to switch to renewable and that uh, that this is is an option is probably the, the only realistic option for us in the short term, in the medium, uh, short to medium term. Um, I do think that, you know, we do need to make sure that the date that the uh, wind farms are in the right areas because I think sometimes we can think well it's a wind farm so it's, a, it's good but if it's in the wrong area it's not you know it will cause all these other issues so I do think again it comes back to, to proper planning. I do wonder how people would feel if all they were looking out on is a you know a, a horizon of wind farms knowing that a lot of them were there purely to power data centres. I do think that people may find that uh, difficult to take uh, particularly in the event that because um, I 
I mean, when, when we're looking to decarbonize and, and, you know, we're going to be asking a lot of individuals, we're going to be asking people to move to electric vehicles, we're going to be asking them to retrofit their houses, to change fuel types. Um, and that will be costly. I, you know, I, I think no matter who's done it, it, it's, it, it costs, no matter the subsidies that are there for people, um, they won't, I don't think, ever really meet the, the full cost. So I think it will be a costly exercise for individuals and families. And I think if if people see that they're doing that and having to make those sacrifices, and there is this entire sector where there has been completely, um, uh, you know, unplanned or unmanaged growth, um, and that's you know that's that's putting a huge demand on on our energy sector and our well, ability. What's your general to view? Sorry, Gary. Sorry, Gary. I'll, I'll just can I just finish? I, I do think that that will cause problems, and I think it may lead to uh, a more sort of divisive um, approach, or, or you know, when we're coming to meeting our, our carbon targets, our climate targets. I mean, we we missed our twenty twenty ones. The government is uh, not electricity. Uh, we we missed our twenty twenty ones, and I think that the the the, the the proposals at the moment, I think the government has it in, if there's a mindset, well, we will be 70 or 80% renewable by 2030. The difficulty with that is it will take time to get these projects through the planning process and to get them um, built. And I'm, you know, I am worried that that we may not meet those targets because there have been delays so far. I mean, the, the uh, renewable energy auction was delayed. Uh, there's delays in the regulatory system. Uh, the wind ireland have said that they don't think those targets are going to be met so i think there there are risks with that as well but sort of relying on this this renewable energy system that we could have in the future and and to in order to allow the expansion of data well it would be a shame if through all of these delays and through our inability as a country and a system to negotiate uh, you know a path through this it would be a shame that we you know end up having to settle for a less ambitious future, maybe for the country, it wouldn't. It? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, look, I actually think the industry as well. And Gary can can um, tell me whether I'm I'm correct in this, but I think the industry themselves are recognizing uh, the data center sector. You know that that they have to um, are going to have to to work towards being more carbon neutral, to be more efficient, to be more. I suppose part of the um, the energy ecosystem, as opposed to just taking energy from it, and 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 I think that a lot of them are are open to that, but but we haven't in this country we haven't really put any requirements on them, and and that's what I want to see. I mean, the government in the pro, in in the program for government said they were going to develop. Uh, energy efficiency standards for, for the likes of data centres. They haven't done it. There's a reliance on, on the EU code, which is voluntary. Whereas in, instead of, I suppose, just allowing companies to, to, to do what they want, I think we should be actually putting some responsibility on them. And whether it is things like the storage, as I said, or district heating, or, you know, there, there are ways that they could work within the energy ecosystem. And I don't think government is asking that of them. Okay, look, I'm going to give the last word to Caroline. Um, as I said, Caroline, you've been tracking this and issues like this uh, for quite a while. What do you think is going to happen in future? Do you think that we're going to move forward uh, on this issue? Do you think it will, you know, become or remain uh, a political hot potato? Look, we're expecting guidelines to come from um, from government, but also the Commissioner for the Regulation of Utilities, um, you know, about where data centres may be located um, and that kind of thing. And that's you know, that will certainly influence some of the decisions, you know, make, making them closer to energy sources and that kind of thing. But it, it, and whether that will actually end up putting a, you know, sort of a natural cap on them, I 
not sure. I'm just not sure if that's kind of a nudge rather than, you know, a push in the right direction. So it, it, it's it's difficult to see um, where exactly or who's going to tackle it because say, nobody likes to say no to these big companies. Um, you know, and at the same time, what Jennifer has said there, we we have, we, we could make the rules a little tougher, even on the water. We don't, we don't require them to provide for their own water. So they have some rainwater, you know, harvesting. It doesn't, it, it doesn't in any way uh, you know, supply their needs. And we're not insisting that they do. So there are things we could do within the rules, within the planning rules that would make them more acceptable, um, whether that, that would actually, you know, send them packing. I, I don't think it will. Um, but I, I think they have to smarten up their act. You know, if there's smart technology, they could smarten up their approach to the environment, too. Mm. Well, folks, this is a very big topic and it's not a black and white topic either. So my extreme thanks today to Gary Connolly, founder of Host in Ireland, to Caroline O'Doherty, Irish Independence uh, Environment Correspondent, and to Jennifer Whitmore, Social Democrats, TD and Party Spokesman on Climate. But that's all we have time for this week. So for me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, I'll be here the same time next week. Bye-bye. Have you heard the news? The Irish Independent has a new podcast. Thousands of people who work in the events industry are making more noise than ever. But are they being listened to? 20 minutes, five days a week, the Indo Daily takes you beyond the headlines and into Ireland's most talked about stories. Two gangs, 18 people killed, families torn apart. The Indo Daily podcast, available on Spotify, Apple, independent.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.